Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Welcome to the Free Parking Show with your hosts, Amos, Rich, Ryan, and Peter. Four sports journalists cover the world of sports with the utmost professionalism, or as much as they can muster after five beers. Hello and welcome to the Free Parking Show. It's Tuesday night, so that means it's time for the Beers and Cheers Show. Here with me, uh, Ryan Moreland, and always my partner in crime, Amos Conway. Um, We have the last leg here of our Mock Draft 1.0. All of the playoff teams for you tonight, picks 21 to 31. Uh, But before we get into any of that, uh, we'd love to give you the phone number here to text in tonight if you want to get your thoughts heard, who you think should get picked, uh, and where. Text us in at 740-206-8850. Or if you have the Spreaker app on your phone, I believe you can chat with us uh, right off the Spreaker app. Uh, but again, that's 740-206-8850. We'd love to hear from you tonight. Uh, it's the Beers and Cheers show, and as always, me and Amos uh, kicking back some beers tonight. Amos, what are you drinking tonight? I actually went cheap, but 24-ounce Honey Brown, 99 cents. <laughs> so I got a few of them. It's not bad. I like some Honey Brown. I like, my, my, uh, I like dark lagers, man. I actually had Honey Brown for the first time like two weeks ago, actually. First time ever. And it, it is like kind of like the cheap yingling like it's not bad I don't think it's bad beer at all uh but speaking of yingling I am drinking a mud puppy some yingling black and tans tonight went a little thicker one of my favorite mm-hmm. beers yeah it's good so love that's me what, some black and tan oh it's good stuff man so that's what me and Amos are going to be drinking tonight as we give you the the latest picks uh in the draft we did the um, one through ten two weeks ago, uh, and last week, of course, we did uh, eleven through twenty. If you want to go back and listen to those, um, you can on the Spreaker page. Uh, go back to the mock drafts one and two. Uh, tonight, we're going to do all the playoff teams, twenty-first through thirty-first, uh, starting off with the Washington Redskins here. Um, Washington Redskins, you know. Got made it squeaked into the playoffs uh, after winning. I was it their last four games in a row. Uh, this team has some of the right weapons. They have some of the pieces in place. They finally found their quarterback. Uh, it looks like uh, in Kirk Cousins, um, but they definitely have a lot of improvement to be made. <clears throat> With the twenty-first pick right here, I have them taking uh, all Sean Robinson, defensive tackle, Alabama. I think this guy's an absolute. Uh, I, like one of the safest picks I have in all of the first round, him and Jaron Reed. Uh, I mean, they're like the basically the same person. And at the combine, uh, Robinson was six three, 
307 pounds. Jaron Reed was 6'3", 307 pounds. I mean, they're mirror images of each other. Uh, although Robinson has a little bit more agility uh, than Jaron does, but I don't think he also think he uh, is a little bit weaker than Jaron. But just a mud, just a run stopper, just a guy that's going to get in there and plug up the middle. Uh, definitely would help the Redskins improve that defensive line, which I think they need to do. Um, you know, they gave up a lot on the run last year. They need to bring, bring in a guy that can clog up the middle there for them, and so it's not all just uh, on their linebackers and run support. Uh, and I, this is a guy that can do that. Could just swallow up the middle of the field. Uh, I think that this would help other defense so much. So, Amos, who do you have them taking here uh, at 21? Well, speak of the devil, I have Darren Reed going to them. Uh, as you previously mentioned, basically mirrors of a Sean, a Sean Robinson and each other, just absolutely like you mentioned at the Combine, both 6'3", 307. And I had a Sean Robinson going earlier. I do believe to the Saints. I, I can't remember if that's correct or not. But he's a guy who, over the last two years, he's only played 55% of the Alabama defensive snaps, and he was still able to rack up. 108 tackles. He's a guy who has not been charted for missed tackles or having any broken tackles against him. So it's outstanding production and a really, really, really good defensive system. And like you said, the Redskins need a defensive lineman to get up there, help stop the run. The one thing I do like more about Robinson than Reed is I think Robinson is a better pass rusher where I think Reed is the better run stopper, but obviously I think both of them will continue their growth and what they're weak at and turn out to be really, really good players, hopefully, over the years. And I I see him being a guy because when he gets in there, his arms are a little short, but because of his his initial burst and contact and the way he uses and how strong his hands are, he's a guy who, the arm, yeah, I mean, the arm length is something that you kind of look at, but with his traits and his abilities, it's something that eventually becomes irrelevant to the whole thing because it doesn't matter he's so good at what he does uh he's great at you know he's a two gapper fills in the gaps he's i mean he just slides and stacks wherever he needs to be to be able to stop that run once he plants himself he's not going to get moved he can work a little bit on his double teams but uh you know when going one-on-one against another offensive lineman it's usually a win for him because the way he's able to root him get just like absolutely stop anything coming through that gap He's a guy who helps out Redskins, uh, the Redskins a lot, and it's I, there. I do believe Terrence Knighton's a free agent, so I think either one of these guys are probably the best possibility. The only other guy I would see going here might be Vernon Butler, the guy out of uh, Louisiana Tech. But for me here, because I had Robinson going earlier, I'm going to go with the Washington Redskins taking Jaron Reed out of Alabama. Yeah, I think this is. I mean, there's a lot of similarities here. These guys are almost the exact same size. I mean, they are the exact same size, the same shape. Uh, both coming out of Alabama, both uh, really know how to uh, to work in the middle there. Um, I think both of them have good careers ahead of them, uh, and it does. You see, some people put it's Reed t- above Robinson, Robinson above Reed. I think they're really close. I mean, I think it is really tight. Um, the only thing I like Jaron Reed a little bit more is I think you know he is better against the run. Uh, just a little bit stronger, um, it looks like. But uh, Robinson, though, uh, definitely has the more agility. Definitely the better pass rusher. Uh, but you know that, that he's. I think they're both gonna have great careers. These guys are both big, physical guys, uh, and those guys that come from the defense of Alabama uh, normally have really high football IQs and know how to play. So that's what you're getting when you're getting yeah. one of these guys. 
Absolutely, and I agree with that. And I think one big thing, too, that's probably – I don't know how relevant it actually is to the whole process, but I do believe Robinson's in the same boat as Reed to where they only – I think Robinson only also played like 55 or like some 58% of the defensive snaps at Alabama. So they're both guys who are relatively fresh, and for big guys who go to Alabama – you know, that front seven is such a – it is the staple of that team is their defensive linemen and their linebackers. And I think that with them being kind of still fresh to where they haven't really abused their bodies, you know, especially playing the SEC against all these other very, very good teams, is I think them being fresh coming in gives them a big boost. And I think it's going to help them a lot. And I think these guys could have huge rookie impacts. I agree with you 100% there. Uh, I think that both of them could have big – Rookie years, I think both of them have, could have long careers in the NFL. They have that kind of talent. Moving on here um, to number 22, uh, the Houston Texans will be picking here. Uh, you know, this is a team that we saw one and done in the playoffs. Um, they were able to take the the AFC South over um, the Colts. Uh, this is a team that has a really good defense, but they need to figure out their identity on offense. Uh, they lose... Arian Foster to injury um, like for most of the season this year of course now they're releasing him uh, they they still need to find a quarterback they played quarterback uh, revolving door at quarterback last season so definitely some things that they need to look at they have a good defense they need to get the offense in place to make this team uh, a real contender at 22 here I have my first running back coming off the board Ezekiel Elliott Ohio State uh, I think this kid could go much higher in this draft. I don't. I don't think there's a ceiling really for this kid of how well he's played um, in this draft. I mean, he's just outstanding. He's amazing. Uh, he's like the perfect package of speed, agility, power. He's got uh, a tenacious pass blocker. I mean, you look back at the tape, you're not going to see a guy his size that is a better pass blocker. Uh, you know, picking up linebackers and helping in the passing uh, blocking schemes. And he has the determination, the want to do it. He in the tapes, he does show uh, pretty solid hands. I know in the combine, you watch his combine, and he was not impressive at all. His hands did not look good. Um, so you know, definitely something to look out for. Uh, but if if his hands, you know, everybody has a bad day. Could just been a bad day for him catching the football. If that's something that he can uh, overcome, work on. I mean, he's a complete package. This is a guy that can make a big difference at running back, uh, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if Ezekiel Elliott is a, a top five running back at the end of next season. Uh, he's got that kind of talent. Um, Arian Foster's gone. You need a quarterback and a running back, but really here I don't think that Houston's going to reach. Uh, on my board, of course, I have uh, Wentz and Golf already gone. I don't think that Paxton Lynch is a first-rounder from what I've seen. Uh, so I don't think Houston's going to reach here uh, for a quarterback. Instead, um, take the running back who uh, from Ohio State who's just had an outstanding career and is going to be, uh, I think, uh, a very good one of the top running backs for years to come. They're just an amazing. I mean, he's an amazing athlete. Just watch him move. Uh, I've you know he reminds me a lot of um, of Matt Forte. I think that he's. He's got that versatility. He's an amazing uh, football player. Uh, Amos, who do you have here, the 22nd pick? I am going to completely agree with you here. I also have the Texans taking Ezekiel Elliott, uh, running back at Ohio State. He's a guy who, 
think over the last two years, he's had a lot of touches. I think it's up near around like 600 is what I do believe is actually what the number is. So it worries you a little bit with the road, but, you know, in college, yes, they played in Big Ten. I mean, I know he's played since high school, and he's probably carried the ball a lot his entire career so far. But I think, it, you know, it's a completely different game in high school, in college. The game's on its best. They don't hit as hard. The competition is completely different to where now, you know, any I think he'll be all right going in. He is a guy who I, I do agree he had a rough time at the combine catching the ball, and I don't know why because he is a good pass catcher he's also a very good uh blocker which means he's going to immediately start off as a third down back and i actually i like todd Gurley, but i think elliot i think if elliot would have came out last year the rams may have already got him at that 10 spot rather than todd Gurley. and i just i think ezekiel elliot is man he's a very very good running back he's He's very patient with his blocks. He's kind of a guy who reminds me of – he's like – he reminds me of Edron James where he's patient enough to wait for them blocks and let them set up. But I find him to be much, much more explosive to where he's going to hit the hole. He's going to go. He's a very physical back. He's not going to go out of bounds on the run. He's going to drop a shoulder, try to run over defender, and just keep going. I, he, he's an excellent running back, being a native of Ohio, living around the area. I get a lot of Ohio, Ohio, excuse me, Ohio State games. And especially the national championship a couple years back, the run he had, he had like, what, almost, I think he had like 500, 600 yards in that, those two games. It was something crazy. And he even, he did it last year too. He just ran all over that Notre Dame defense that was supposed to be pretty good up front. And they just couldn't stop him. And I know he had his struggles, but that entire offense had its struggles. It's not a thing where it's Ezekiel Elliott. Once they figured it out near the end of the season, they just started handing him off the ball after that loss to Michigan State. They did much better. He ran all over Michigan, and I I think he's going to be a great pick for the Texans. I think Bill O'Brien is basically getting a, a younger, more explosive Arian Foster. I'm not trying to compare the two, but I think it's going to work out very well for them, and I agree. I, I almost went with Paxton Lynch here, but I, I, just, I don't think he's going to go in the first round. I think if he does, I think it's because the team trades back out of desperation and out of fear that someone else is going to grab him, but I think here Elliott's uh, and for the value, just an amazing pick. Excellent. There definitely are, uh, just adjusting the quarterback thing, there definitely are teams that are desperate uh, to find a, a a good quarterback moving forward. It doesn't help them that this uh, that this draft is not, it's not very deep at all at quarterback. I, I think there's, uh, you know, I've said it before on the show, I think that there's two guys that could become starters, you know, and I, and I don't even know how sure I am that they'll pan out and Jared Goff and Carson Wentz. Uh, both of them I have a little bit of reservations about, um, but, uh, man, I don't I don't know if I – I don't like Paxton Lynch at all. From what I've seen on tape, um, he, the only time that I'm really impressed by his throws is when he guns outside of the pocket and he has seven, you know, eight, nine seconds to throw. You're never going to have that long to throw in the NFL. Like, very, very rarely. Like, you know, once in a season, you're, you're going to be able to have that much time. Um, so, you got that pass rush coming at you. I, I just don't think that that kid has the makeup to be it. So, you know, you get, you get a guy here uh, that re- you get rid of Arian Foster, who obviously is an, an absolutely fantastic um, running back. You bring in Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, who I think is one of those guys that could be in every down back. Of course, uh, as you said, starting out, and obviously third down uh, back could be used, utilized very well. He's got great hands. He can block. Um, 
he's just he seems like a kid that's got a good head on his shoulders that is a hustle kind of a guy you know you could go him out there you could tell him to go out there and block he's gonna block you can tell him to go out there and run he's gonna run as hard as he can i mean this is a guy you know the old saying it he'll run block pass throw and mow your lawn for you i think he's one of those kind of guys that just he'll do whatever you want him to do uh you know he's a tough kid um I think it's a great move for him. I think that Ezekiel Elliott, you know, Todd Gurley just last year coming out, I think that, that he's one of those kind of guys. The word's thrown around way too much, I think, and, and nowadays in the NFL, but this is one of those guys that's dynamic. He's he's a game changer, and he has the ability to be at the next level as well. I, I completely agree, and I the fact that you said earlier that he's probably going to be a top-five running back next year, Absolutely would not surprise me. He's going to be an absolute monster, especially in that Bill O'Brien offense to where I think it is overrated a little bit. And uh, I just, I don't know, I think they're going to be all right with him. I think he's going to do wonders for them, especially if they bring in a rookie quarterback or if they happen to sign Osweiler. I know he's in the competition, although I don't think they will. I think it's going to take a lot of pressure off that offense with some fresh legs back there and the uh, playmaking ability. Uh, exactly, exactly. Uh, moving on to the 23rd pick, the Minnesota Vikings, who lost on a heartbreaker in the playoffs. Uh, you know, the Blair Walsh missing that field goal that would have sent him into the into the um, next round of the playoffs. This is an absolute heartbreaker. We haven't seen one like that in quite some time. Uh, but this team's got a, got a lot to build off of here. Uh, they should be very happy of where they found themselves last season. You know, they have a really good defense. They have, uh, you know, the pieces on offense. They, they have an aging Adrian Peterson. You know, they they seem to, they need to take a shot here while AP uh, still has legs under him to be able to move like he, like he can right now. Because um, you don't know at the running back position how many years he has left. So <clears throat> the move here, uh, they, need, they need some help on defense uh, up front. Um, they are were really good against the pass. They have an outstanding secondary, one of the most un, I think the most underrated secondary uh, in the NFL. Um, they need to move, help up front in the defense. They need a wide a wide receiver to put on the other side of Stephen Diggs. Uh, a lot of things that they could go with here. Um, I have them going uh, wide receiver Corey Coleman from Baylor, um, the second wide receiver off my uh, big board. Um, another thing, they need help at offensive line, but I think you go value here. I think Corey Coleman is an outstanding player. Uh, you know, you need a, a guy that can go on the other side opposite Diggs. As I said, Coleman has an is an unbelievable deep threat, has the speed, but he's not just the deep threat. He also has a size, strength, and toughness. You can play that kind of like slot role. I know that a lot of people want to see them get a big guy on the outside. Um, and then have Diggs as their speed guy. But I think you put Stefan Diggs outside as well as he is the route running with the speed. You put Coleman on the slot inside, and I think that works better for Teddy Bridgewater because I'm not seeing these deep throws that blow my mind out of Teddy Bridgewater or, uh, you know, these throws underneath uh, to playmakers, these throws like that will help Teddy Bridgewater develop because I don't think Teddy Bridgewater is at that level. I still don't think that Teddy Bridgewater's at the Derek Carr level or or the Blake Bortles level. I don't think that he's that kind of guy. I think that he's a guy that can win games for you, uh, but I don't think he has a high ceiling. 
I'm uh, not to take anything away from him. I think he's a great football player or a good football player. I think that he can definitely win games for you. But he was put in a really good system, uh, and he's he's had that uh, luck that he got drafted in a team that was building in the right direction. Uh, but I think that this would work good for him. I think Coleman would open up like drag routes, slant routes, easy passes um, for him to make. Uh, also, this is a necessary. Uh, any wide receiver can do this for you, but it's definitely necessary. You need a guy over there so Diggs is not in a constant double team. When they double cover him on every single play, I mean that limits your offense so much because it's really right now you got two playmakers on that offense uh, outside of your quarterback. You know you have a, an aging running back uh, and Stephon Diggs. So if he's the only buddy downfield, it is so easy for them to play safety over the top. Uh, play a corner on, you know, you get another guy on the other side uh, that can pull a safety down uh, inside the box because you're not going to cover Coleman uh, with 99.9% of the linebackers in the league are not fast enough to cover Coleman, so you're going to have to play safety on him, uh, and that will help out with a double team on the back end. I think that this is a good move for them. I know people want to see them go get the big, stocky, uh, wide receiver, but I think it fits Teddy Bridgewater's game to go get another speed guy um, that they, they they can play around with with Stefan Diggs and you know North Turner up there loves those speed guys. So uh, who do you have them taking here at twenty three? I actually have a wide receiver going to them as well, but I have Josh Doxson going to them. Uh wide receiver out of TCU. He's a guy who has had high production, especially over his last two years at TCU. He had 25 touchdowns. Guy's got very, very strong hands. And he, he runs, I know you mentioned earlier with Teddy Bridgewater in the deep routes. Uh, yeah. Watching him at Louisville is, he is a guy who, he threw deep. It's not like he didn't. He had Devontae, he had Devontae Parker there. So the deep passes were thrown, and he's got a, actually a nice deep ball. I think what the thing is, is a lot of their receivers were not competent competent other than Stephon Diggs and Kyle Rudolph, who I personally think they completely underuse in that offense. But I think Doxson's a guy who's going to give them a very, very good production. Uh, he's a very, very good route runner. He's got strong hands. Probably needs to put on a little bit of muscle. And watching him with TCU obviously became Trevon Boykin's favorite receiver. He was very good with runs after the catch. He's good at the deep the intermediate and the short passing game. He's a guy, he's a big body guy. I do believe he's, yeah, he's six two. So, I mean, he's a big, he's got a big body. He needs to put on a little bit of weight. I think he's, yeah, he's only 202 pounds, but he's a guy who I think he's got a lot of potential in him, especially in that North Turner offense. I know he ran the four or five, only a four or five forty, but as we've learned to know that this entire draft class, when it came to speed was anything but impressive. And I just I think he's going to be a guy that's very very good for them. I especially with Adrian Peterson, Stephon Diggs, and if you get a guy like him, or even uh, Corey Coleman, like you mentioned, out of Baylor, who I mean you, you hear a lot between Coleman, Doxson, and Fuller about who's the best or Treadwell as well. And I think Treadwell is winning right now is the overall best receiver. But I think all these guys are pretty close in what they're going to be able to do. But I think Doxson and I also think Coleman fit this Minnesota offense better to where it's not a pass first. It's going to be we're going to run the ball with Adrian Peterson. And then, you know, if we have second and short, third and short, we're going to try to get a short or intermediate route in there. And I think that this is a guy who's be able to excel in that North Turner offense because he and he is a guy who loves to use his playmakers. 
And this guy is an absolute playmaker, and I think he would fit that offense great, and I think he would boost Teddy uh, Bridgewater's production to the roof. I'll agree with you uh, here. I think that – I will say this. I think Dawson's probably the better pick right now, or the the pick that they'll make. I'll say that. Um, you know, I, of course, as anybody who's listened to the, the mock draft, I, I've only made a few changes, but I made this list even before the combine. Uh, so there has been some changes, some shifting around and stuff. But I did keep Coleman here. I just love the idea of having two guys that can move like that because both of them can play the deep threat. Uh but we've seen it from Diggs. Diggs is an outstanding route runner. Uh, and, and that makes him like twice as dangerous because you can play those, you know, the drive route, you know, just a, a button hook, stuff like that because he's – and he gets there. And because of his speed, it even makes him – he gets so much separation because people overreact because of how much speed he has. Coleman's just like that. Um, not as strong as a route runner. But that's something that's easily learned, especially if you have a speed guy in there already that's a great route runner. Uh, Coleman can learn from Diggs uh, and come up, and I think you have two guys that can fly out the end. But I, I, th- I do think that uh, Dawson's probably uh, the pick that they'll end up going with most likely if they do go wide receiver at this position. I absolutely agree. I mean, <clears throat> there's... Like you said earlier, that defense is absolutely amazing with, you know, you got Xavier Rhodes, you got uh, Harrison Smith as a safety, you got the linebacker whose name completely escapes my mind. The, oh my God, I can't remember his name. But, you know, that defense is just, it's absolutely great. And they got Sharif Floyd up front. Cordell Patterson was, I think he's a guy that they, when they traded up, they picked him. I remember a lot of people like, oh, I, you know, the great pick. They moved up. He's a raw guy. But he's just never turned into it. He just, uh, he just, he's not done what everyone thought he would do. And I think that I really, I really like Dawson. I, th- I think he's a guy in there and I think he's a safe pick at wide receiver. I, even if he's not an all star, I think he's still going to be a very, very good receiver for them. And, Doxon or Coleman, whoever go there. I mean, these are two guys. Obviously, Coleman's had the experience in that Baylor offense, the heavy passing game. Dotson had, you know, um, Trayvon Boykin at TCU under Gary Patterson. Another pass heavy team, especially the deep routes. I think either one of these guys are very, very good receivers for them. And whoever they pick, I think both of them will be able to work out easily. Yeah, I mean, I, I would 100% agree with that. And I wanted to say one more thing about this before we move on to the next pick is a lot of people look and don't see the top-end talent at wide receiver and just assume that it's a weak draft class. Uh, but there's a lot of depth at wide receiver that that's going to be on this draft. Some guys that, are, you know, day two, day three, um, they're going to get pulled off here. But they're names that you're going to know down the road. Uh you know, Treadwell stands out as the the lone guy I think that is in that, you know, the top fifteen pick kind of uh, player. But it is deep. There's a lot of guys that are going to get taken in the, the third, fourth, fifth round that I think are going to be starters in this league. Uh, but we'll move on here to the next pick, twenty fourth overall, Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, of course, another heartbreaking loss we had here. Uh, ended up losing in the final moments uh, of their playoff game. Um, to just uh, what could be only described as uh, blatant stupidity. Um, they have a pick right here. They do have some spots where they can improve, uh, get a wide receiver, 
is something also they they could look at of improving their linebacking core. There's a lot of places where I think that this Cincinnati Bengals team can improve, but overall they do have a really solid roster, uh, and they can make easily make another move uh, into the playoffs here, uh, especially if they have a season like they had last year. I uh, played outstanding uh, behind the old Red Rocket. So who or I have them here actually taking Reggie Ragland. Uh, the linebacker, inside linebacker from Alabama. Uh, he's an absolute talent. Uh, in my actual mock draft, I had him going earlier, um, but ended up pushing him back uh, because of the show here. Uh, Reggie Raglan's an absolutely outstanding player. You had him going much earlier in the draft. He has the talent um, to be a guy that's just... that. He, I mean, he's towards... The front of this draft, talent-wise, for sure. But inside linebacker is just not a valued position, uh, as valued as some of the the positions we're going to see go early. As you know, corner, quarterback, corner, uh, defensive end, uh, the, that kind of stuff. Outside linebacker, even because it's just the inside linebacker is a devalued position because the running the ball is a devalued position, especially a guy like Reggie Ragland. You're bringing in a guy here that's got that old school look. He's big. He's physical. This is a guy that's gonna he's not gonna miss tackles. Just an absolute monster. Uh one of those eighties uh middle linebackers. And he's just gonna be a force in the running game. But with the running game being devalued, the inside linebacker position has definitely been devalued. Uh but Reggie Ragland I think is uh the best of, of the inside linebacking class. And I would say probably third out of all linebackers, only behind Jack. Uh Miles Jack and um oh man his name's lipping me here uh Jalen Smith absolute Jalen Smith yeah. yeah yeah he's an absolute talent this kid is big as i said physical he also plays in coverage while uh, i was watching some tape on him last week i believe and i was kind of surprised how well he moves in coverage um uh, cuz i know he is yeah he's what 6'1" 260 yeah, but he moves well. well that's what he was at the combine, yeah. Yeah, he flips his hips. I mean, he keeps direction. He keeps the play in front. Uh, I know, of course, I know this guy's a high football IQ. As I said earlier when we were talking about uh, Jaron Reed and Ashawn Robinson, these Alabama defensive guys come into the NFL with a very high football IQ. We've seen it before and we see it again. Uh, this guy, not only, uh, I think, because of the Alabama, but he was the leader uh, of this defense. He called plays on the field. Uh, during some of the games, this guy is uh, football IQ through the roof, um, and he he showed it. You know, he makes the right moves. He's one of those guys that's the right place at the right time. Very impressed watching the tape. If you want to be impressed by someone uh, that you see, go watch uh, Reggie Ragland in basically any game that Alabama played. I mean, it's just phenomenal watching him uh, do his thing. He's a smart player, and how often he's just right place, right time. He's an outstanding football player, and uh, if he does fall this far, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals are going to get a steal at 24. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think that pick is excellent. I had him going way earlier. I think I had him going to the Dolphins, I do believe, and with their recent acquisition of Kiko Alonso, I don't know if he'll end up stay there or he'll probably drop out of the top 10. But I agree. The inside linebacker position is a very – I don't know how or when it happened because it did become an undervalued position. And I heard something that um, 
God, I was listening to a sports radio show the other day. I heard something to me that made sense from an old NFL scout is that the NFL running back hasn't lost value. It's as valuable as it's ever been. The problem is, is that there's too many good running backs and on buried on depth charts, guys, that when other guys get injured, one can step right in and basically create that same production. And I thought that was a really good point. But at number 24 for the Cincinnati Bengals, I went back and forth too. I went back and forth between linebacker and wide receiver, but I actually landed and finished on them getting the corner out of Houston, William Jackson, the third. Um, he ran a four three seven forty, and I know the speed's not everything, especially when it comes to 40 time in the combine. But you got a lot of good receivers in that division. Antonio Brown, Martavis Bryant, obviously, both on the Steelers. The Browns, who had Travis Benjamin, who I, I do believe he is going to explore free agency if Josh Gordon ever comes back. He's a very, another good receiver. Baltimore Ravens, so, you know, Kamar Aiken kind of emerged as a really good guy. Steve Smith's going to be coming back, who even at 30, I think he'll be, what, 36 or 37. He's still a guy who's got a lot of speed. I think William Jackson here makes sense for them because during their playoff run and even their season, they had a lot of injury at corner. I know against that Arizona game, I do believe they were using almost entirely second and third string guys. And here, this is a guy who you can plug in. He had a very, very good uh, season. You know, in his career, he's had five interceptions. So he's got the hands. He's got the playmaking ability. He stays smooth throughout, you know, his coverage. The one thing, a couple things he can work on is uh, perimeter when there's screens or running. Kind of gets hung up on being blocked, but I think that's something he can work on. But he's a very instinctive guy. He can, you know, he can click and close very quickly once he understands. He adjusts to the routes very well. He's a guy, and they have bombed on their kind of their last couple picks with, uh, I do believe, Fitzpatrick from Alabama, I, I do believe was his name was. And then Dark has dinner just a year or two ago from Michigan State. These are guys who I don't think either one have panned out or made the step in production that they thought. I think they're going to be good backups. And with Pac-Man Jones being on the free agency block, he's a guy that he may find another place. He may come back to Cincinnati, but he's still getting up there in age. William Jackson's a guy who he's six foot. And, you know, you have tall, strong receivers. And then you'll have these short and speedy receivers. And he's tall enough to where he can cover and make plays on these big guys. And he's fast enough to where these shorter, smaller guys just won't blow by him on vertical, deep routes. So I think he's a very, very good pick for them. Uh, I know Marvin Lewis gets a lot of heat, but he is a good defensive coordinator. And I think he'll try to get the most out of William Jackson, especially with all of his uh, – I mean, he's a very gifted corner. And I think he's a great pick for them. But like you said, if Reggie Ragland's there, obviously I would take Ragland over William Jackson just because the potential – and how the ability to help your team, and especially having a strong character leadership for the Cincinnati Bengals, I think that would be one of the most valuable things of getting Reggie Ragland on there too. But for me, because I had Ragland going earlier with the injury at corners and their secondary, I'm going to have them taking William Jackson the third. That's interesting because I mean I've done a lot of corner research uh, recently. Actually, yesterday I, I watched a lot of the guys. Um, Outside of what I think is the top three uh, of Ramsey Hargraves and um, uh, Mackenzie Alexander, I looked at you know Eli Apple, who's I think that I guy that is absolutely on the rise, and uh, looked at Fuller, um, and I did look at Jackson, and I was impressed with what I saw from him, um, and he, he performed well at the combine. He ran lights out, uh, showed off his speed. 
I was impressed with what he did, but he, you know, going to a little bit smaller school, I think that's something that brings up a little bit of a red flag. Um, but I still, I, I, you just have him a little rated a little higher than I. I think that he's end up going to slide back, maybe third round uh, or late second. But I think that someone's going to end up getting a steal uh, when he does that because I do think that this kid has that kind of talent. But I do think he's a little bit more of a project player. He's a guy that's going to have to sit on the bench. Um, for a year or two before you can pull him out. Uh, but he's got the raw skills to be very talented in this league. I, uh, But I, I don't think that's... As you have him rated a little bit higher than him. I have a couple corners ahead of ahead of uh, him still on my boi- big board. But I, I was impressed with what I watched of him. I haven't got to see much of him. So, you know, I, I could be definitely wrong here I, as I'm still getting into a lot of corner research uh, as of late. But we're gonna move on. I think here. you'll have him rated a little higher the further you go. I think you'll have him rated much higher. He oh, is definitely. the more take because I was the same way with you because I watched the combine and I was like, oh, okay, yeah. So the guy's got speed, so that alone is going to help him rise a little bit because he is from a smaller school. But the more I watched the tape, I was like, all right, this kid can really play ball because that AAC. I know it's a smaller division, but it's a team who gets a or it's a conference that gets a lot of these. Just big, strong receivers and small, fast receivers with these teams that are in there. And Houston is a very high-scoring team, obviously. And I, uh, I want to say, I believe they beat or, uh, Utah. Utah or Temple, one of the two, came into town, and they were rated much higher than Houston. Houston ended up actually, I do believe, pulling off the win, and it was a huge deal. And, you know, he was there, and their head coach is an old coach from Ohio State. He brought in a very, very good staff. And I think he's been coached very well for this last season. And I think because of that and with the Ohio State, you know, the coach from Ohio State, the offensive coordinator, put bringing together the staff he did and producing the numbers that he did, especially with his defense, I think he's going to rise. And if he, I don't, I think if he doesn't go late first, I think he'll go very early second personally. I'm, I'll definitely take another look at him because it's a guy that I have. I'm not like real far back. I have like two or three guys. I think two. I think two. I think there might be a third, uh, but definitely two guys still ahead of him. Then that takes us right into the next pick. Perfect segue here because I have the tone 25. We have the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I have them taking uh, Eli Apple, cornerback, uh, Ohio State. Uh, I'll start why the Pittsburgh Steelers need this guy, and it's obvious. You look at the stats here. Pittsburgh surrendered the 18th most passing yards per attempt uh, last season, you know, putting them about middle of the pack, uh, which isn't terrible, uh, but definitely something that you want to improve on. They also had the third most sacks in the year uh, of any team last year. So that tells you that the defensive front is getting their job done and the secondary is just not. Um, you definitely want to pull up. Um, if you're, your defensive front's playing that well, you definitely need to fix something on the back end. It's a corner here. Yeah, If you look at this team, they can definitely improve there. Uh, Eli Apple, I think, fits here uh, perfect. When I wrote my mock draft, the 2.0 mock draft, I had Eli Apple my 1.0 and my 2.0. When I wrote it, I had... Uh, I said in there uh, that Apple and Fuller, uh, talking about Kendall Fuller of Virginia Tech, that I had them neck and neck really close, uh, but I have Apple just a little bit further, and I said that the combine might determine um, which one of these guys is drafted higher. 
the combine, I think I had an excellent combine, which put him a little bit up on my board, but I also went back and looked at the tapes, and I was really impressed with what I saw from Eli Apple. Um, I think that right now, in my mind, I actually think now, instead of looking at there's three great names, there are three big names for corners, I think there's four, and I put Eli Apple in that group, and then the next step down uh, starts with a Fuller and then Jackson, as you said, just for me right now. Um, just the way I was very impressed with what this kid uh, was able to do. There's a couple things uh, that you know you have to you keep an eye on with him. Um, he does, he did get burnt pretty bad with double moves every now and again. You know he's got the instinct, he's got the speed to come back onto the ball. Um, he's got good size. He, he's just got some things that, that you're gonna have to work on. I don't think that Eli Apple's gonna be a guy that you can. Uh, you know, put on an island year one for sure. But I think he's a guy that can start at like a uh, number two corner uh, and work his way up. And I think third, fourth year uh, in the in the NFL, you're really going to see this guy blossom into something special um, because he has all of the talent to be an unbelievable corner at the next level. He just does. He needs to to improve his football IQ a little bit. Um, and uh, but his footwork's clean, his hips clean. It's just his mind is that gets him a little bit out of out of pace sometimes. Uh, trying to make a jump uh, and bites kind of too quick when he you know should set back a little bit. That's the only thing that I've seen that that I do not like about him. Um, this kid is fantastic uh, with the way he plays. He just needs to improve his instincts a little bit better, uh, and he'll be an absolute. Uh, star at the next level. So that's who I have them taking. Eli Apple, Ohio State. Uh, who do you have the Pittsburgh Steelers taking here, Amos? I, I Apparently we're using uh, the same brain tonight. I also have the Pittsburgh Steelers taking Eli Apple. They're secondary. I mean, obviously they're a team that produces linebackers. They have a very, very good defensive front. That front seven's probably a little underrated, especially with Brian Shazier there. And I think they get a guy with Eli Apple because I know probably William Gay is probably their best defensive back right now. I can't think of anyone else on their team who pops to mind. And I think he, Eli Apple, is a guy who I think he will start. But, you know, he's very good in what he does. He's There were games where you watched him, and he just shut down some receivers. And I absolutely agree. And I think the biggest thing with him is he has a very, very hard work ethic. And since he's been Ohio State, every year he's done nothing but improve. And I, I do agree that I don't think he's a guy who you're going to step in, put him on an island by himself, especially for the first two years, because I think he's going to grow and learn much more. Because I'm a, excuse me, as you know, like I said earlier, being in the Ohio State market, watch quite a bit of their games. He's a guy who I thought, I, I thought he wasn't very up to par with being able to diagnose what the quarterback was doing. I think he was good at looking at the quarterback's eyes and trying to figure out what he was doing. And I think he does have a high football IQ. I just think he needs to understand how to use the high football IQ. Uh, by year four, I agree. I think he's going to be a guy who's going to be a very, very, very good corner. And he's going to show that he is, and he's going to earn that money in year four for that big contract, year four or five. And I think, he, I think he's going to be very good for Pittsburgh for years to come. <clears throat> and I, a lot of people are down on his speed. And he ended up running a 4-4. And even if he didn't, the Steelers like guys who are very, very smart, hard workers, and technical. And he's a, very, he's a guy who's very technical. And like I said earlier, he's improved every year since being at Ohio State. 
I think he's going to be a guy who does very well for them for years, especially with their new system. And I, I think he's going to be very solid. I, I do. I this the pick does worry me a little bit because he is rising with his stock. It just I he's to me he's really a boom or bust kind of guy because he did play very very good games at Ohio State, the Penn State game where he just got God he got burnt, especially against a team like Penn State with no offensive linemen. Not very good receivers, uh, underperforming quarterback. That made you a little bit nervous. But I think he will improve. I think he'll be very – I think he has the ability to be very good. I just think he needs to be on the right team with the right coaches to be able to pull as much of that talent out as possible because it is there, and I think he just needs guidance in using it. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree with a lot of what you said. Uh, that Penn State game comes up, but he – I mean, he does – uh, he he's had games where he's just completely shut down, lockout uh, kind of a guy. But it just seems like he does bite. If a guy has a good, a wide receiver has a good inside head fake, moves on to the outside. Um, man, it just seems like he bites. You know that slight double move, and he bites pretty hard sometimes. And it's not all the time. There's been great plays that he's made on the ball and double moves. But it's just every now and again, it seems like, especially if he lines up in that like, kind of cover two spot. Um, he'll bite hard. Uh, that's definitely something instinctual. Definitely something you, you can iron out, though. Uh, it's just going to take some time and some work with him. Um, but, you know, Pittsburgh Steelers, even though Dick LeBeau is not there, uh, everybody that is there running that defense is a Dick LeBeau disciple. You know, they pray at the altar that is LeBeau. So, you know, they know how to develop talent. Um, you know, they know how to, to cover up weak spots in the defense. Uh, if need be, and watch out for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'll say this, man: they have a fantastic offense. If they can build this defense up uh, to something more impressive than what they're they're showing last year, this team could be a serious threat uh, for another Super Bowl ring because uh, they're doing doing very very well at, at producing talent on offense right now. If they can get that defense going, that's they're going to be one heck of a team. Yeah. I absolutely agree with that 100%. I mean, they're very close at last, even last year against, you know, two really good secondaries with against Seattle and in the playoff against Denver. I think Ben threw for over 350 yards in both games. So there's a lot of potential there for offensively scoring. Receivers need to step up and that secondary needs help. And Eli Apple was a guy who can come in and definitely help them. All right, moving on to the 26th pick here, the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, Seahawks. Not having the season kind of that we expected, they kind of put it together late, uh, made a playoff push, and then played well into the or well uh, in the playoffs for a, a while, and then it, and then the wheels fell off there. Um, but this is a team uh, that that definitely needs to start building. They lost a lot of pieces after lose or after winning that Super Bowl. Come back the next year to lose it. Uh, you you start have to put pieces in here, and it looks like they're gonna lose Bruce Irving now uh, in free agency. Uh, you know the you know of course losing Brian Maxwell. They they're starting. They've lost a lot of those pieces. You need to start plugging them back in. Uh, make this defense great again. They can also use uh, help on the offensive side of the ball. You know of course Marshawn Lynch retired this year. Um, is running back something that they're looking to address? Uh, do they think they have it in house? Uh, because I do have some solid running backs still left there, uh, and looking at you know some wide receivers uh, or maybe a wide receiver to try to get them 
uh, some help around the guys that they're build around the guys that they already have. Uh, right here, I have them taking Andrew Billings. Uh, I'm of course I made this list a while ago. Andrew Billings has shot up my list uh, since then. Uh, so I have, to have him on my last mock draft that I do before. Uh, I'm sure he's going to be much higher on this list. Uh, I, I think that he's a, a fantastic player. Um, the defensive tackle from Baylor uh, is a little bit undersized uh, for you know your average defensive tackle. Uh, but he is he's a big guy, has a very impressive arm strength, kind of a gym rat kind of a guy. Uh, and he doesn't, you know, he, ha- he lacks that length, lacks the height, uh, which has him lower on some people's draft boards. But look at Jarrell Casey, look at Aaron Donald. You're talking about uh, guys that are, you know, some of the best defensive tackles in, in all of the NFL. And those are guys that, that come in at that, you know, that 290 uh, or around that area, you know, they don't have impressive length. Um, they aren't super, you know, tall guys that are a little bit undersized, but are absolutely outstanding. I mean, Donald and Casey are, are two of the best um, at defensive tackle. Uh, you know, both Pro Bowlers and Donald's an All Pro. Uh, I think Andrew Billings has the athletic ability to be one of those guys. Uh, one of these kind of like f- future defensive tackles we're seeing that aren't just the giant guys. He's not a guy that's that's gonna look like uh, Jaron Reed. He's not gonna look like, uh, you know, he's not gonna be one of those guys that just swallows up the middle of the field. Uh, but he is a guy that can make uh, damage in the running game because he, you know, smart. He's very agile, very quick, uh, great lateral mover. Uh, a guy that can make obviously a lot more moves in the passing game uh, than a lot of those big guys can because he has the the speed to move more like a defensive end than than a true defensive tackle. Um, uh, of course, the Seattle, I think, you know, you try to build the defense first. Uh, this, when this team, it was really good. Uh, they did it defense first. And if you look at the end of the season last year, uh, this offense put it together. I mean, uh, Russell Wilson in, like, week 14, 15, 16, like, that area – was playing like unreal football, you know. It was you're starting to get to the point where you're like, you know, I've always been like uh, Wilson. Everybody wants to put him in that top ten in the NFL, and I was like, look, he's not there yet. You're just thinking because his team's good that he's good, blah blah. But then at the end of the season, I was like, I'm wrong. This kid can flat out ball. I mean, he looked fantastic uh, with Tyler Lockett and all them. Uh, so build on the defense now. Your offense, I think, at this point, starting getting to the point where they're better than your defense is. Uh, so definitely build that defense. Andrew Billings is a great way for them to do that. Uh, I think could add a lot to this defense. Although, if they don't end up uh, re-signing Bruce Irvin, I could definitely see them going defensive end here. Uh, what do you say, Amos? Who do you think the Seattle Seahawks are going to get? Well, I think because of Bruce Irvin and him, I guess, in principle, almost agreeing to a contract with the Oakland Raiders, I I have them going with Darren Lee, the outside linebacker from Ohio State. So I have two Ohio State guys going back and back. Darren Lee is a guy who is he's I know he's he's kind of short for being an outside linebacker. He's only six one, you know, kind of guy like Reggie uh, Reggie Ragland. But Darren Lee's much more athletic, and they both have their great pluses. But Darren Lee, you're gonna guy get a guy who's God. He's so fast with his core, you know, going across the field uh, from sideline to sideline. He's a playmaker. He's very, very good at uh, rushing the passer 
off the edge. He seemingly always finds the best route possible to get to the ball, which I think is one of the most impressive things. And I think if you watch the Notre Dame um, Ohio State game and the Michigan Ohio State game, I think those are two games that really, really show what he's able to do. <clears throat> he's a guy, and you know, I think he is. I know Bruce Irvin, six foot three. Bruce Irvin was more brought in to be a pass rushing specialist. I think Darren Lee's going to come in, and I think he's going to be able to do much, much more for them, even with the lack of height, because he is good in open space. He's good in zone. He plays very well in man. And I think the one thing, my biggest thing that he could probably work on is he needs to get a little bit stronger because during the season, watching film on him, him trying to blitz up the gaps, he has the ability to do it, but sometimes when a defender gets got a hand on him, he just he became absolutely irrelevant. So that's why further down the stretch with Ohio State in their defense, you've seen him coming off the edge a lot or playing out in space and coverage or just kind of being that free roamer to, you know, watch the quarterback's eyes. And I think he's a guy who's going to be able to step in immediately for them, make big plays because he is, he's, he reminds me of the outside linebacker from, or from Jacksonville, who I cannot remember his name to save my life, but he reminds me a lot of him and the fact of his ability, what he can do. And I think he's, if he, turns out to be anything like the linebacker from Jacksonville. I think a very, very good guy. And, you know, you got a guy in Gus Bradley who was the defense coordinator for Seattle in the Super Bowl against Denver. And I, I think that, you know, maybe they have some talk. I know uh, I, I just – I have a feeling that Darren Lee is going to be their guy because of what he brings them on the field and with them losing. We're him because, he, like you said earlier – they're working on that offense. That offense really came up. I know they lost Marshawn Lynch, but uh, uh, the other kid they had backing him up has done very well. For some reason, I, every name in football is escaping me. But, I, you know, and they're, now there's talk that Martell Bennett's going to get there, and then uh, Jimmy Grant's going to get shipped off to Chicago. So, offensively, I do think they're set. I think if they went anywhere on offense, it would be that offensive line because I know those guards did not play very well, and the center position played very poorly. But I think Darren Lee's a big guy, a uh, big asset to that team because they have a good four-down rushing uh, defensive lineman. They're a team that can get to uh, the quarterback without having to rush that and make plays up there, and he's a guy who's going to be able to do a lot for them. Are you thinking of Telvin Smith uh, from the Jaguars? Is that the guy you were talking about? Yes, yes, I am. <laughs> yep, that's him. Yeah, I think that's a great comparison. In my notes, I like to, when I look at guys – um, and it shows if you guys, uh, anybody who's listened to the the fictional football drafts, go back and listen because like half of my picks, I'm like, this is blah blah blah, and I compare them to a current or or former NFL player. I love doing that. It gives me an idea of you know a better idea of what I'm looking like. I like or looking at. I like to break it down that way, and that's exactly uh, when I was looking at Darren. It's exactly who I wrote down was Telvin Smith. Uh, yeah, I think that it's a great comparison there. Um, I think that it'd be a great pickup for them as well. I think you know you can never. Uh, this team needs to improve defensively. They had, do have a good secondary. Uh, I think it's the front seven that needs the most work. Um, you know, and, and Bruce Smith. I didn't know that he had the the basically the deal in waiting uh, with the the Raiders uh, right now. I, I was watching all that earlier today, uh, but haven't been able to in the last couple hours. But that's awesome. Um, for him, but then you need to go to defensive end there, obviously. I uh, think still Billings, you know, if, if something crazy happened, a lot of these defensive ends end up going uh, early. Uh, but there's so much talent at defensive end in this draft, it's crazy. 
But, you know, I don't think Billings is out of the question still. This is a guy that um, can definitely improve your defensive line. Both these guys are guys that can come in uh, and improve your defense and help out. Um, I think that that's a good pick there. I, don't, I like that one. Thank you, sir. Like I said, Billings or these, this guy can step in because I think Billings would absolutely be very, very good for their offense or defensive line rotation. My thing with Billings is I think he can play in the 3-4 and the 4-3. I feel like he's better suited as a nose 3-4 uh, nose tackle, personally. And Darren Lee is a guy who, you know, I think he gives them, because they still have the other two linebackers who, God, I'm telling you, dude, I'm having such a rough time with names tonight, and I don't know why. Um, Malcolm Smith and Bobby Wagner. They still have those two guys, I do believe. And with... Darren Lee, he's a guy who's going to be able to come in at, at that. He'll probably play the left outside linebacker position where Urban did as his pass rushing specialist. And I just, I think he gives him so much more options to be able to free up that defense and what they do. And I think he might be a guy who, I don't want to say they abuse him, but they are going to definitely uh, exploit his abilities in a good way. And I think that teams and the other teams in the NFC West are really not going to like him to go up against uh, having a guy like Darren Lee on the field against them, against their offenses. I absolutely agree. I think that uh, looking at these two guys, I think that uh, Bruce Irvin easily the better pass rusher, but that is the extent of his game. He's got to be a guy that's going. Um, you know, he's, he's basically right. an athletic defensive end, to be honest. Uh, but And Darren's more of a complete package for sure. Uh, moving on to the 27th pick, the Green Bay Packers. Uh, you know, you have a great offense here. They end up losing uh, their star wide receiver at the beginning of the year. Uh, definitely hurt them. Uh, we've seen Eddie Lacy starting to slim down. Not quite looking like the Michelin man there in the backfield. So good things for the offense. Defense uh, has some holes that they need to fill here. Uh, a lot of moves can be made by the Packers. They have a lot of places that could just get a little bit better. Uh, as a total package, they are a pretty good team, though, and a, a pretty good roster here. I have them taking Emmanuel Ogba here, defensive in Oklahoma State. Uh, I have Ogba a little bit back further than a lot of people have him. I think um, uh, a lot of people now, I think, have kind of dropped him. I think he's a good guy. He's got uh, some skills, but he's really raw. Ogba needs to be coached. This is not a guy that's that's like a plug-and-play right now. I think he plays far too stiff. He's not explosive. Um, he was able at Oklahoma State to get away with just overpowering offensive linemen. Uh, but he, you're not going to do that in the NFL without leverage. And, and he plays you know, with his legs locked, his butt high up in the air. Um, and he doesn't use his leverage. That's not how you're going to get. You're not going to get past any NFL offensive lineman uh, playing like that because you can't just overpower these guys. They're just as strong, uh, you know, far stronger than the guys that you're used to playing at the collegiate level. Even though uh, he did play in the in the Big Twelve, where they have some a, a lot of excellent offensive linemen. Um, you know, you, it's still the competition doesn't even compare. Of course. So you, you have to play with more leverage. He is raw, but he's got a lot of great skills. I don't think he needs to be that explosive. I think he's a guy that you can uh, you can work around the explosiveness because the amount of strength that he has, but he needs to learn how to use his leverage in order to use uh, – they effectively use all that strength that he has. Um, 
He's got a lot of potential, a lot of potential, a very high upside on Emmanuel Ogba. The problem is, is right now he's pretty far from that upside uh, without effective coaching. The Green Bay Packers, we've seen them do it before where they'll draft a guy that that has the raw skills and in two, three years turn him into something. This is a team that... Um, is really great at that player development. You know, they draft guys, uh, build them in-house, make them better, and start them. Uh, it's kind of one of the things that the Packers are known for, and I think that uh, this is another guy that they will be able to do that with. I think it's a guy that you, you know, play situationally uh, his rookie year uh, and then start him maybe the second, third year once he gets, uh, you know, he plays with his butt towards the ground and works that leverage then I think he becomes an every-down starter kind of a guy. He's got the guy, that kind of level of talent. Yeah, absolutely. I I I don't think you have him. I think you have him going about the same spot in which he should go. I have him going just a little bit later as well. Um, he's very good. He had a very, very impressive combine. I think the combine is something – I know a lot of people don't buy stock into it, but when you see it, there are – flashes of town obviously or else they wouldn't do it at all and i think he did enough especially where people kind of started looking like all right this guy really can play and i think he is raw but he does have a lot of potential the guy i have going to the green bay packers is the gentleman you just had going is andrew billings the uh tackle out of the defensive tackle out of um, baylor and i think he is better at it as a nose tackle and you know watching green bay last year if they went up against any team that had anything of, <clears throat> excuse me, any good kind of running game, they were a team that got gashed over and over and over again with this running game. And I think he's a guy who steps in and he's so explosive, so powerful. And I, for such a big guy, he's very, very good uh, laterally, you know, uh, from sideline to sideline. The burst at the end for him to get to the gaps or to even get outside the pocket to be able to stop the run. It's absolutely amazing, especially watching him do it from that defensive tackle position. He's an absolutely outstanding player, and he may be the most underrated defensive tackle in this draft because I think he is very good. The guy, I, he turns 21 this month. I'm not sure what day. So being so young and already being so dominant and projected to be what he's, I think he will be, he's, got a, he's very, very good right now, and I think he's got a potential to be a top five defensive tackle in four years. And I think he's a guy who is going to fit that green Bay system. Well, with that three, four, I know in the past, their defensive ends have not done well. Their nose tackles have not done well. You know, they, uh, they kept the other kid from Alabama who I think they, re- they actually cut him, brought him back. He lost his job, regained the job. I think he's a guy who comes in. He's going to be able to bring them stability. Cause he does. He has very, very elite power. You're not going to stop him with just one guy and he can shred double teams. And he's only, you know, he's only 21 years old. He's got a weightlifting background. He did some weightlifting in high school. Very good at it. So you know he's extremely strong, and I think he's going to be a guy who blows up a lot of plays for them. And that's going to help them with, you know, having a player like Jeremy Langford with Chicago, Adrian Peterson at Minnesota, and Detroit. I know they are they don't really have a running back. They could definitely get one in this draft somewhere or bring someone in. But I think he's going to be a guy who helps just blow up offensive lines. Yeah, I don't think that's a bad pick here. Uh, I I don't know if how much I like him at nose tackle just because he's not he's a little undersized. Um, but I don't think I think that he would be able to fit. I think he does have the athletic ability to make it happen. 
Uh, he's an absolute talented kid. I think that both of these guys would desperately uh, help the front, this uh, Green Bay Packers front. Um, I think we can definitely see both of them make a difference. You know, my first one I had Kenny Clark going here, uh, defensive end. So definitely looking at improving that defensive line uh, for the Green Bay Packers. Moving on to the 28th pick here, the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, this is another team, uh, very talented. You know, of course, we're in the playoff section here, so they're all talented teams. But the Chiefs have some real pieces here. Uh, and this offseason, it looks like they're trimming the fat and just bringing in, uh, you know, what they need to make the, another uh, push. Andy Reid has built himself another uh, great team out there uh, in Kansas City. Um, right here, I have them taking uh, Tyler Boyd, wide receiver, Pittsburgh. And, uh, you know, I made this before. I probably... As I said earlier, um, when we talked about this, probably still have, uh, oh, his name's escaping me here, the wide receiver um, that we were talking about. Macklin? Ma- no, um, no, the wide receiver uh, the from the draft, the the kid that you pulled off the board earlier um, about. Uh, Doxon? Doxon, yes. Jeez. I'm pulling Namus here tonight. Uh, Docs- <laughs> I know, dude. I know. It's one of them nights, man. <laughs> it is one of those nights. Uh, but I think that I'd probably have him here. Uh, when I first watched these guys, I wasn't as impressed. But then I, as I saw more on Doxson, because um, it, it's hard with those big 12 guys because it's hard to look. Is he just a numbers guy? Is it just because his numbers are so big because they pass 50 times a game? Um, I do like Tyler Boyd a lot. I think that he is an amazing uh, he can be one of those guys that has uh, amazing uh, possession receiver in the NFL. He's got the route running ability. He's got great hands. Um, and you got to think too. This guy also played running back at Pittsburgh because he just needed to. He, they needed him to do everything. Uh, he had very spotty quarterback play in college and was still able to get pretty impressive stats. They need a guy to play on the other side of Macklin. I think Tyler Boyd uh, could end up being that guy. Although I think he's pulling back a little bit. Didn't have a great 40, um, as I don't think any wide receiver did. Uh, so I think he's moving more towards a second-round kind of a guy. But this guy has um, – he's he is a versatile guy. We, you saw him play running back and wide receiver in college. Uh, he is – I think he has all of the makings to be a great possession receiver. And we know the you know, University of – or Pittsburgh – the University of Pittsburgh uh, has produced one of the best possession receivers in all time in Larry Fitzgerald. So they can do it, uh, as we've seen them do before. Um, but the, he is a little raw. Boyd is a little raw. Dachshund's more of a completed uh, package. Um, so I think that's why you're going to end up seeing him go first. Uh, but, you know, as I've, the more that I've watched, the more Dachshund's rose on, on my uh, board. So I think that you're going to end up seeing him go uh, earlier. Uh, then Boyd, I think Boyd's sliding back into that second round area. But that's who I had here. Um, for this, so that's who I'll keep right now. Uh, Amos, who do you have them taking here? So I finally have Robert Nemdichi coming off of the board to the Kansas City Chiefs. I know they're going to be losing Sean Smith, and they do need help at wide receiver, but I think he's going to be a guy who gets on that defensive line. Uh, he helps them get younger <clears throat> with that front seven because we all know Derek Johnson's getting up there, Tom Bahali's getting up there. I know he did just resign for three years. But MDG, I mean, there's if you've watched any football this year at all, especially on the college level, you know that this is a guy, especially the year before, is 
he's an outstanding football player. He's very, very explosive, good pass rusher, great run blocker. Uh, the year before he had a little better. He was mostly single teamed and he was ability to make more plays this year. He kind of struggled with the double teams, but I think he's talented enough to absolutely blow up those double teams. I just, just think uh, mentally he's got to get into it and understand that every play they're going to be going after him because he could end up being the best player on the defensive football field for whoever he gets drafted by. He's absolutely, I mean, he's his pass rush can get a little better, but it's already very, very good. He doesn't let running backs go. They don't escape his grasp. And he, he is, he's a freak athlete for a defensive tackle. And I think he's going to, whoever he goes to, I have him going, I think I have him going way, way lower than what he will go. But the reason why I have that is because of the character issues, and there's a lot of talk about him dropping. But if he does, what better go to than can with Andy Reid? I absolutely think that this would be a dream fit for both sides, and I think that they would make improvement in the West, especially with all, of, especially with the Raiders stacking up like they seemingly are. I think this would be a great pick for him. Yeah, I had a. Uh, uh... Kim Dietschy going at 11 to the Chicago Bears. I think the red flags, it's its hard. He's a hard guy to pinpoint. Um, one, I think, you know, he goes up there with uh, with Jalen Smith. Jalen Smith, of course, because of the injury, but it's so hard to pick where he's going to go because so much can change before the, dra- or before the draft. Um, what are teams thinking about this guy? Uh, those red flag character guys and injuries, it's so hard to pick where they're going to go. Um, I mean, you see it here, the, the, the disparity between uh, Amos has him as, at 28, I have him going at 11, and I don't think either of them are, un, are out of the question at all. I think he could go higher and lower, like higher than mine and lower than Amos's. Hard guy to pinpoint with all the character issues uh, that we've seen from him. Uh, but I think he's a good fit for Kansas City. He can come in in a system where they got guys, good leadership, like a good locker room for him to walk into um, from day one. And definitely a guy that can learn from some great guys. You brought up Tom Bahali, who is going to re-sign. Uh, and I think that that would be a really great uh, place for him to end up if he does drop this far. We'll move on here. To the yeah, 20- absolutely. Oh, I, go ahead. You know, I did play it. Yeah. No, go ahead. We'll, we'll go ahead and move on. There's not much to say about either one of them guys. They're very good players, Boyle and Nadiche. And can't say it's a team that. They are a talented team, but they do have a, a few holes that need to be addressed and addressed immediately if they're going to make an impact. All right. Yeah, I agree with that. All right, moving on right here. 29 Arizona Cardinals. Uh, last year, this was my team. This is my team I was riding all season long uh, that I thought was going to win the Super Bowl, um, <laughs> but ended up falling just a, just a little bit short. They do have, I mean, you know, I've said it about all these teams. They have a lot of really great pieces. Um it looks like Arizona's going to be able to keep a lot of those, too. Uh, only a handful of names, uh, or big names, you know, on that team hitting free agency um, or, or have the threat to hit free agency as, as that's only a couple hours away now, really. Um, right here I have them taking uh, Kendall Fuller, the cornerback of Virginia Tech. It's who I had on the original. Fuller comes from a great uh, pedigree. His three older brothers uh, all have played in the NFL and I think Kendall might be the most talented of all four. He's a big playmaker. Um, he's been a starter all three uh, years that he was at Virginia Tech. He started, uh, and his production is, has been very impressive. He, 
Uh, Bruce Arians has said that he wants to find length in that cornerback position. Fuller doesn't have the length, um, but he in, in this draft he is the best corner uh, left at this point in the draft. Uh, I think it's a position that they definitely need. Uh, also, the defs definitely need a pass rusher um, on this team, uh, which I definitely would see them. I could think I could see them going for there uh, as well. But I think Fuller, uh, he's really impressed me. And my newest big boards, he's starting to fall back just a little bit. Because I'm watching more, and he just doesn't have the recovery speed that he shows. Uh, you know, you watch these tapes, and it's easy to get caught up. And then you go and you research some of these guys that he's playing, and they're wide receivers that are running four eights and four sevens now. And you're like, well, that's just not going to fly in the NFL. Like, the 40's not super, and for most positions, not important at all. Uh, but for corner, you need to have that recovery time if you don't have the length. Kendall Fuller definitely doesn't have the length, and the recovery time is not nearly as fast as it seems like it is on tape uh, from what I've seen now. So I do have him falling uh, back a little bit, so I think they'll probably end up going defensive end, which I don't think you can go wrong doing that in this draft. There's so many great defensive end. Defense alignment as a whole uh, in this draft class. So we've said it a hundred times. We'll probably say it a hundred more times before the actual draft. It's just unbelievable. Uh, so I think that Fuller will go with him because that's who I had here. I still like him. I still like the kid. I just think he's going to drop into the second round. Um, who do you have Arizona taking here, Amos? I have uh, Arizona taking Emmanuel Ogba at Oklahoma. And like you just previously mentioned, is Arizona is a team who, especially in the Green Bay game, they uh, proved to live and die by the blitz. And I think he's a guy who's going to help them, especially in the pass rush. Uh, 16 of his last 21 games, he actually registered a full sack. Uh, in 2015, he did have 17 and a half sacks for a law, or I'm sorry, 17 and a half tackles for a law. So you know he's a guy who can get behind the line of scrimmage and make plays behind that line. And like you mentioned, he is a raw guy. I think the combine, if you weren't familiar with him, that's probably the time that you became most familiar with Ogba. And he's a guy who is starting to rise on some boards. But I think he stays around in this area. I know you had him just going just a pick or two uh, earlier. But I think in, this is the area in which he goes. And I think for someone like Arizona, where they can absolutely get a guy to kind of get back there and train. Because I'm not sure if Dwight Freeney had just signed a one-year contract or not. But if they do bring him back, he's going to be a guy who, you know, he can watch Freeney. Because when I watch Ogba and what I've seen they, is he's, I can't tell if he's a guy who uses his speed to rush or his power to rush because I've seen flashes of both. And if he can do both, great. Absolutely. He's going to be an all-star in this league. But if he decides on one or the other, I think even as raw he is, he's going to be a very, very good player. Good at stopping the run. He can get in the gas, fill the gas, be able to make plays. Uh, pass rush, same way. But like you said, he is raw. He's going to have to learn, you know, uh, do a little better with his hands and footwork and be able to stay good with his pad level. But he's very, very talented, obviously, a guy who's rising. And I think he's a very, very good fit for them. And I think he'll do very well for Arizona, especially the way they blitz. And with the, because they blitz and they bring so many people, it may be a thing his first year or two where they can kind of mask his weakness and maximize his production. I think that's a great pick there. Uh, if if Ogball, I think Ogball has slid down my list a little bit. Um He's one of those guys that I could see falling into the second round, perhaps. Uh, but if he's there, I, I think that he'd be a good fit in Arizona. They definitely need a pass rusher. Um, 
it's just going to be, you know, uh, who's there. That, that's all that's going to matter. You know, is Noah Spence going to still be on the board because he's starting to slide down people's lists? Um, you know, it, if Ogbaugh's the best option, though, uh, I can definitely see them going for that. I think that that's a good pick up there. Uh, moving on real quickly here, the runner-up, Carolina Panthers. Uh, this is a team that's got a lot of talent. Um, they had a very, very good defense. Uh, you know, middle of the road offensively in a lot of statistics. Cam Newton really carried them. Uh, so definitely need to prove on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, they'll have uh, Kelvin Benjamin back, which helps out a ton. Uh, so right here I have them taking the next uh, tackle off my list, which is uh, LaRaven Clark, offensive tackle, uh, Texas Tech. And my first one I had them taking... Uh, Josh Doxson as another wide receiver. I still don't think wide receivers are the question, uh, but a lot of my now I'm, I'm thinking you know Doxson goes earlier. A lot of these wide receivers that I had are, are going to end up going in the second round, so I still think Clark's a good pickup here. He's very talented. I think he's got the perfect body for a left tackle. He's a very tenacious blocker. He's agile enough to play against the edge rushers. The only thing is. Uh, with Texas Tech guys, they they run the you know different offensive packages, so he doesn't always play that just straight snap back. We saw him even pull, which like you're not gonna pull much as a left tackle in the NFL. Um, you know, just weird packages and stuff that Texas Techs like to run to take advantage of teams. Uh, so he needs to work on playing more of an NFL game. Um, but I think that uh, if he does build his game uh, more into an NFL game, I think that he could be the second best left, true left tackle uh, taken out of this draft class behind Laramie Tunsil. This kid has the skills. He's got the body. Uh, I think that this is a, uh, even in my uh, even in my mock draft, I referred to him as a diamond in the rough. And I, I think that's an absolute uh, great way to describe this kid. He's flying under a lot of people's boards still. I thought he would fly up people's draft stock or draft boards, uh, but people are still, you know, seem a little shy about him, but he's an outstanding player, and I think that, you know, Carolina obviously needs to make a move, uh, improve that offensive line a little bit, something they definitely could do. Um, the running game, obviously, uh, is something they could do, and also a team that could use a, a big-name pass rusher. So you could definitely see him doing a lot of things here. Uh, I, I just went with, whoever, with the pick that I thought would help them out the most, the most talent. Uh, and I think that Clark's going to be whoever ends up getting this guy is, is going to get a steal of a pick because this kid's very talented. He's just not as technically sound, but that's that's the stuff you can teach. You can't teach side size. You can't teach determination. Uh, you, you know, you can't teach agility. So you know, I think this is a guy that in his first year will go under the radar. Second, third, fourth year, this guy comes out uh, and establishes himself as one of the better left tackles in the NFL. Uh, who do you have the Panthers taking here, Amos? I have the Carolina Panthers taking Keanu Neal, the uh, safety out of Florida. The secondary, very, very injury play. They had to bring two guys in in November and December to basically be their next two starting corners when Tillman goes down and then um, the other the safety goes down. I know Corey Coleman played very well for them this year. Keanu Neal is a guy who <clears throat> very, very hard hitter. He And I think the thing that most impressed me about this guy is he plays 100%, 100% of the time. He goes all out. And if you watch his film tape and if you look at the paper, 
it caused him. He is definitely, he's like that guy in Madden who uses the strong safety and doesn't do anything but his stick. You know, it's a live or die. Either you're going to make him fumble or he's going to break <laughs> it for 40 yards. But he is very, very, you know, arguably behind Hargraves, he was probably their second best defensive player, maybe third behind the other corner. And he's a guy who can play in the box, help that run support. And I know a lot of people are going to go, well, defensive end is a big thing. I don't think defensive end is a big thing for them at all. Yes, they lose Jared Allen. They cut Charles Johnson. They still have Coney Ely, Starlou Tule, and Coman Short. The other defensive end position may be up for grabs, but that is a position to where that that front seven is very good, and they're going to get production out no, no matter who they are. And I know Neil ran – he only ran like a 4-6, but I think he has game speed. And I think that's more important than anything. He, when you watch his tape, it looks like he's getting beat. But when the receiver catches the ball, when he plays that single high spot, he's on top of them almost right away. So he does have decently good recovery speed. He has good coverage. He's very good up in the box. I think he's going to be a guy who can step in for them immediately and be a very, very good player for them on that defense. And Carolina doesn't, you know, speed's not much to them. Their fastest guy on that defense is probably Luke Keekley. Norman doesn't impress me with his speed. Tillman's getting up there. Coleman's all right. Um, Fort Cortland Finnegan is getting up there as well, so he's lost some speed. But the continuity that they play and how they play, I think, maximizes his potential a lot. I, I think that's a good pick here. I think that that could definitely help out this Carolina Panthers team a lot. Um, moving on, last pick here. Denver Broncos, the champions, uh, reigning Super Bowl champions. Uh, definitely a lot um, for them to do. You know, we're seeing them lose uh, a lot of key pieces here. Uh, you know, Peyton Manning leaving. Uh, they're still, uh, you know, up in the air about um, about what. Jeez, man, I'm forgetting everybody's names today. Uh, still up in the air about what uh, the what's the backup's name? Callsweiler. Osweiler, dude, I'm telling you, I just need to go to bed. Uh, still up in the air about what Osweiler's going to do. Uh, of course, they lose uh, Malik Jackson today. Uh, it looks like he's going to be playing in Jacksonville next year. Um, so right here, 31st pick. I have a guy that you had going earlier. I just, I think that he's an outstanding player, but just because of his positions, the only reason he dropped this far for me, that's Cody Whitehair. Um, he played on the blind side in college at Kansas State. He played that left tackle position, uh, but he's built better to be an interior lineman. And, and in the NFL, this is not a pick that's overly sexy, but Denver could use the help on their offensive line uh, to help protect Osweiler or whoever is back there. Um, you know you're getting a great guy. He started all four years under Bill Snyder at, at Kansas State, an absolutely great coach. Um and it shows. You watch this guy, perfect combination of technique, skill, outstanding. Uh, and he has all the skills to be an outstanding guard in the NFL. He's an instant starter uh, at the guard position. I think that he can play on either side. Um, he's just not quite big enough, doesn't have the the, the size uh, to play tackle, I don't think. But I think he's going to make – I think right now, and I almost feel 100% comfortable saying this, this guy's going to be like a perennial pro bowler at guard. He just has all the skills. Very impressed with what I've seen in him. Uh, you know what? You watch his tape, and he's outmatched size-wise a, a lot of times uh, because being a smaller guy, and he played left tackle in college, and he makes the right moves so often. 
Uh, uses his agility. He has a mean first punch for a guy of his size. Um, absolutely uh, an absolute great starting. A uh, guy that can start today, Cody Whitehair from Kansas State. Who do you have uh, the Denver Broncos taking here, Amos? So I have a offensive lineman going as well. I almost had uh, Ifidi from Texas A&M going here, but then I looked at my board and I realized that I didn't have this guy going. I had them taking Taylor Decker, the tackle from Ohio State. And we all know that Denver's offensive line and running back position is probably the two weakest positions for them outside of tight end, who did produce in the playoffs with Owen Daniels. But I think Decker's a guy with them, especially with Clady's injury issues, that he's going to be – I think he can come in immediately, and I think he'll be able to start right tackle, played against good competition, being in the Big Ten. He's gone up against good defensive ends, Michigan State, you know, Michigan. He's gone against high competition. He's – a He's a big guy, 6'7", and he's about the same size as uh, Sebastian Vollmer for the Patriots. And I think his very, very good natural spot will be that right tackle position, especially with Clady there. But with Clady's injury, he is going, you know, if sometimes Clady, he can shift right over. Good in the run game, probably better in the passing game. Excellent. When it comes to double teams, he picks it up immediately. He can absolutely help whoever he's there. He's going to be a guy who's going to make play, be able to, Good arm extension, good initial contact, great kick block. I think he's a guy for them who I think he's an immediate, immediate help for that uh, offensive line. And I almost took the guard out of A&M because it looks like they're going to let Evan Mathis go, and they just released Vasquez. So I think offensive guard with Whitehair or Feeney there is absolutely a great pick. But I went with offensive tackle here because of their issues and that offensive line throughout the season. It just it didn't perform very very well, especially on the tackle positions because of the injuries. But I, I think I like actually like the white hair pick here a lot with that because they switched out Mathis and Vasquez for a pass and run, and with white hair they're going to be able to get a guy who does both. But I took Decker for them. I, I think that's a good pick for them. I, I think that's a guy they can definitely use. And you know Decker, I think is a guy that that if they need him to can play inside for a year uh, and then move outside as well. Uh, so I think that he has the versatility to be uh, moved around here. Uh, but that is, that's it. That's the, the mock draft, uh, the Beers and Cheers mock draft 1.0. Of course, we're going to come in and cover uh, the next four weeks. We're going to spend a lot of time covering the um, March Madness. Of course, we're going to do the Brackets Challenge. We're building a lot of those, uh, a, a lot of the prizes for that. Um uh, for that coming up, and but we will have another mock draft right before the draft happens. Um, Wednesday night, tomorrow, uh, we'll be on. We will be covering. Uh, we're gonna move the par for the score show. If you didn't listen last night, we uh, said this to Thursday. So the game show, the par for the scores game show, is gonna be Thursday night. Tomorrow, we're gonna do free agency um, talk, and then of course Friday they'll do um, the the Friday free-for-all at the new podcast format. Um, so we won't have the Par for Discourse show until Thursday. Tomorrow, we're just going to be covering all the free agency moves, uh, all the latest stuff that's happening and going on. So um, thanks for listening. Uh, if you haven't heard the other ones, go back, listen to the other ones. Me and Amos break down uh, all of the first round, uh, and we'll, we'll be doing it again here in just a couple about a month now just away from it so thanks everybody listening tonight um 
and we'll be back next week to talk March Madness with you, of course, tomorrow to talk uh, all the things that happen in the football uh, world. Um, so thanks a lot, and good night. Absolutely. Have a good night, guys. Thanks for listening to the Free Parking Show. To hear the boys live, tune in every weeknight at 9 p.m. Eastern 